Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we are talking about Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad Schonk. Over to you, Chad. This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this brand new book. Over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars up into and including the Obi-Wan Kenobi series or the comics or whatever crosses our mind to talk about. So you have been warned about that. Ryan, hit me one more time. Well. Since we last talked, San Diego Comic-Con has come and gone. Um, Star Wars didn't have a huge presence. Um, or any. Yeah, it really, it, there was like one little announcement and then it was mostly Hasbro stuff. Um, you know, they seem content to let Celebration be where they're going to announce that stuff, let Marvel take the headlines at Comic-Con, which, I mean, is a smart move. And they but, did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor DC. Um <laughs> But on the toy side, get ready, because good lord, they announced a lot. They announced six more of the credit collection figures for the Black Series, which if you've seen these, they're like these weird kind of shaded kind of figures. Um, I don't know. I don't love them. But they announced a lot of them. There's like an Ahsoka and a um, Battle Droid and all sorts of stuff. Uh, they're fine. I, I don't know who's buying these, but they announced them. They did announce what people have been waiting for, the Return of the Jedi anniversary series on the old vintage cards. Um, they're going to do eight a black series. They're all freaking re-releases. Um, and a lot of what Hasbro announced for re-releases. Um, so, you know, you'll get... Pretty much the main ones you'll think of when you think of Return of the Jedi. So Emperor, Bausch, all them. No Nine Nub, though. Um, Son of a bitch. I know. I don't know what they're waiting for. The only ones that I... I'm starting to take it personally. Yeah. starting to take it personally. The only one they announced that is new is they're going to do a deluxe figure for Republic Commando that's going to come with a couple of heads. So... It'll come with the old man head who I refuse to recognize as Rex and, and um, a couple of different ones. You can troop build it. They'll come out with Boba Fett again. In the main line, they announced we're getting the Migs figure. We all knew we were going to get. I knew it. That's why I didn't buy that stupid Migs figure when it came out in the armor. So he's got his little gun. Actually, looks like the character. Yep. They did an HK-88 droid a Luke that's accurate to the end of Mandalorian season two, a new Grogu. Those will be some of the first that are in the new boxes. If you haven't seen these yet, um, Hasbro is moving away from plastic. So the figures are in a cardboard box. Like you can't see them. Um, Let's get rid of that single use plastic. There's a lot of collectors real up in arms about it because you can't see the figure which means that these people that swap figures and who 
return other figures in a box and all that stuff. It's going to be open season. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I pre-order most of mine anyway from companies, so I'm not as concerned about it. But, you know, there's going to be that worry in stores. I, I, I get that. But the needs of the planet outweigh the needs of yeah. collectors. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to, you know, they are going to keep on the vintage collection retro figures. They're going to keep the plastic bubble so it kind of maintains yeah, that, that collector thing. I mean, look, I open that stuff up and throw it in the trash immediately. So I don't really care. Yeah. Um, we, we got to see they revealed an upcoming way. The guy that's in Bo-Katan's gang, you know, there's Casca and then there's the guy. Turns out his name is Axe Wolves, which I don't think we knew. <laughs> Axe. He's Axe. not up yet. Um, they're going to re-release Vintage Collection Slave 1. It's like... Boba Fett's ship. Boba Fett's ship. It, it does say Boba Fett's uh, starship on it. What I think is funny about them re-releasing it is this is the same mold of that ship we've gotten three times. And when it first came out, it was like... Forty dollars. The next time it came out, it was like seventy. Now it's like ninety. <laughs> like it just keeps going up for the same ship. <laughs> Which is it a Black Series scale? No, no. It's a vintage scale, and it's ninety bucks. Yes, people are crazy. That's insane. Um, we did get pipeline figures, so you know Hasbro likes to show pictures of, "Hey, here's who's coming." So we're going to get a new Mando figure with the Darksaber, which people assumed was going to come. Um, we're going to get Kima Mundi, which is what people have been asking for. And then, because everybody knew they were going to do it, they're going to release an accurate Black Crescent. So so what are they going to do about the old Black Crescent? Are they just going to pretend it didn't happen? Well, what they try to say is <laughs> that that Black Crescent is the comic book figure because it comes in the comic book over box, mm. even though it is even less accurate to the comic books than it is the show. I've seen that figure in person now. It is garbage. Like, mm-hmm. And what's so funny, before they show Black Crescent was coming – they showed off they're going to do these Halloween figures. And so just like the Christmas ones, they'll release these. Um, it's a stormtrooper who's painted like a skeleton, which, I mean, it looks fine. But they're also doing the Werewolfy figure that has a new sculpt, and people were pissed. They were like, so you can do a new sculpt to do this crappy ha- ha- Halloween figure, and you can't do Black Crescent right. Now, I will say about the Werewolfy, it's kind of funny, and it has the ice cream maker that's a little candy pail. <laughs> they may get me on that one. I didn't like it until I saw the candy pail, and I was like, ooh, look at that. I mean, that's 80% of the reason I want it. I'm not going to buy one, but I think it looks kind of cool. I mean, it's funny, and it's got the ice cream Yeah, maker. it's one of those ones, like, if I see it on clearance at GameStop, I'll probably get it, but I will not pay full price for that. Um, our last figures, they announced the new gaming greats, which are the, they go to GameStop. Um, so they have two, well, three Fallen Order figures. They have Cal in the Vintage Collection. And so you got to see like what he's going to look like in the game. And I guess I didn't notice in the trailer, but it looks like Cal has a beard now. It's kind of weird. Um, but his outfit looks really cool. Jedi do, man. Jedi, yeah. Jedi grew up here. It's- they're going to do a B1 droid and then 
an Imperial security droid like K2, but he's got like a big backpack and electro stick. It looks nice, but I skip most of those. Speaking of Jedi Survivor, the PlayStation Store, whoopsie, had a little leak, and it looks like Survivor's going to come out in March of 23. So it is way closer than people thought. Which is backed up. If they're releasing the toys already, they're getting ready for it. Do we know what platforms? They haven't really said. I mean, obviously, it'll be on next gen. I'll be curious to see if they put it out on the PS4 um, and the One. It's. I've heard it's a big game. And How about PC? Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be PC. Yeah, we'll see what they do with that. I mean, it's they're going to start transitioning over to next gen, so this could be one of the ones they make you start yeah Yeah. movie news they officially announced that amanda steinberg is in the acolyte that's been one of those horribly kept secrets that people knew about one of the things i did think was interesting about that one is they had an interview with her and apparently everyone on the acolyte has been told and are reading all the high republic material and so even though it takes place i think what they're estimating like 70 years after phase one of high republic or phase three we don't know yet um but it looks like there's going to be some carry over there so maybe we'll get some burry and i'm sure they'll put yoda in it now at san diego they did have a publishing panel for lucasfilm so that was really where we got kind of the most new info they showed off all the covers and some of the write-ups for all the new comics so they showed the cover for the Battle of Jedha. They showed the High Republic. They announced High Republic Nameless Terror will be by George Mann and will be centered around a Bith Jedi, which I'm not sure we've seen before. Not in canon, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Olders on Adventures. They're going to do hyperspace stories from Dark Horse that's going to cover all the areas. Tales from the Ranker Pit will be a graphic novel by Scott. They downgraded Claudia Gray's comic that she's doing is now listed as a one-shot. So I don't know if they just decided. it. it see, I think initially they had talked about that was going to be an ongoing, but it's just going to be a one. And then the big publishing news, they showed the opening crawl for Phase 2 of the High Republic books. And, I mean, there's some interesting stuff in there. Apparently, there's two chancellors at that time, and it talks a lot about, like, the Pathfinders. And so it's, you know, we knew it was going to be kind of about exploration. It does mention the planet from the last book that we thought they were going to talk about, whatever happened there. Um, And it kind of talks about the Jedi are cut off, like, which makes sense. There's no communication out there, so we're going to see them go out and be completely cut off from the order, which is kind of what I was hoping High Republic was going to be from the beginning. So I'm looking more and more forward to it. And then our last bit on the fake hollow, and people are trying to still figure this out. A Spanish poster came out and it's unofficial. Like it was made by Lucasfilm and it's got their shows with release dates What's interesting is for Book of Boba Fett, it says season two underneath it. And so somebody caught it. And so nobody knows if they're confirming there's going to be a season two. God, I hope not. Um, 
but that set the internet abuzz. So yeah, that was all our San Diego roundup. Chad, what's going on in the comics? Darth Vader number 25 by Pack and Ineko, continuing the Vader, Ochi, Sabe stuff. It was a fun issue. You get to see Vader on a speeder bike, and you get to do him some do, get to see him do some pretty badass force stuff. And uh, next week, he used to be the only human being who could do it. So I wonder if the old man can still handle a pod. I think we're going to find out next week. Nice. Han Solo and Chewbacca number four by Guggenheim and Messina. Two words. Wookiee fight. That's all I got for you. Wookiee fight. I, the fact that they have held off on that for this long and restrained themselves yep. is impressive. Wookiee fight, Wookiee fight, Wookiee fight. And then there's Star Wars 25. It's four stories, all written by Charles Sewell and illustrated by different artists. There's an Anakin Obi-Wan story. There's one about Vader, one about Kylo. And the final story is called An Elegy for Snap, which are, with art by Phil Noto. Basically, it, it's a, it reads as a best of all of Sewell's Star Wars comics thus far. And it kind of feels that way. And it feels like it could be his last episode. It, could, it feels like it could be his last issue of the book. He, he writes an introduction. And he's not clear about that. I'm not so sure that's the case. But it does feel like a summation of everything that he's done thus far. Because um, all, all the artists that he brought in were the artists of those particular stories that he told. Like Phil Noto is the one who did the Poe Dameron comic. He's definitely writing issue 26. Okay. All right. So this was just kind of, so this was just a victory lap for Charles Sewell, apparently. Yeah, I mean, don't you think they're gonna let him run into Return of the Jedi? Oh, I hope so. I was just hoping maybe that would happen now. I mean they gotta be close. But that's it for comics. Wookie fight, Wookie fight, Wookie fight. So tonight on the show, we're going to be talking about Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, which, you know, as we kind of teased in the previous episode, seems to be the first of the fix the sequel books, where they're searching to start kind of filling in some of the stuff that people had problems with or had questions about. In some cases, as we'll talk about, I think they made some more problems. But we'll get there. Um, so to start, we kind of want to talk about what are some sequel questions or plot points or things they left open that we feel like they need to address. Um, Stuff know, like we'd, this, like, we'd like to see filled out. Yeah, yeah. And this answers some big ones. You know, the race parents part is answered in this. Mostly. We get a vampire knife we'll talk about. But um, so let's start with Chad. What's the first one you've got that you'd like to see? Han and the Falcon. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
I want to know how he loses the Falcon. I want to know when he loses the Falcon. I want to know why they decided it was a good idea to have him lose the Falcon. I, we know it happens sometimes before Bloodline. Because in Bloodline, Leia mentions the fact that he, that the, he doesn't have the Falcon anymore. So uh, I, I, I'd like to know the history of the Falcon and, and why Han loses it. I'm honestly surprised it didn't happen in this book. That they didn't mention it. Like I thought, yeah. you know, there's so much Lando. And they yeah. kind of talk about Han. Like I thought maybe they were going to say what happened. But nope. Just yeah. Right over that. That's the first one that. Oh, I was just going to say Bloodline doesn't really address it as in he's lost it. He's just not there because he's he's doing racing stuff. Presumably. No, it, says, it, says yeah. on, it says in the book that's ever since he lost the Falcon. Because he's got that freighter he's yeah. going around in. Because uh, I just reread, I just reread it for our next episode. That was what I say. Coming next time, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about and, um, on and and yeah, Coming no, he next flat time, a uh, plot point I missed. Yeah, <laughs> she flat out, she flat out. Well, it's not a plot point; it's just one of the yeah. conversations she has with Han. But she mentions that, yeah, you know, since he lost the Falcon, it hasn't been the same. And I'd like to know when that happened, why that happened, and again, who, whose bright idea was that? That part they won't tell us in the book. Beth, what's your first big thing you'd like answered? Leia's training. I want to yeah. see. I want to know more about it. I want to see it. I want to know. I I want to know it's happening. I want more than a two second flashback because there's got to be more to it. We know why she doesn't finish her training, but we don't see her training. Well, the weird thing I've thought too is like the line in the movie because I went back and watched it because I had forgotten stuff. Like the line is, "It was the last day of her training." It's not like she quit training. She is trained. It is nighttime. Like, yeah. It's just, I mean, I guess she, if she continued being a Jedi, well, that didn't make sense either because then the, the vision's like, if she continued, Ben would die and whatever, whatever. Yep, still happened. Way to go. Back. Yes. <laughs> like, still happened. Yeah, I mean, she's a straight Jedi by that point, which is, I guess, how she learned how to travel in space. But, I think my first, my biggest one is everything surrounding Luke. The temple. Re, the yeah. temple. Rewatching the movies for this, the Luke arc still does not make sense at all. It is not a character of Luke. Even what we've seen on The Mandalorian, like what very little we've seen, it just all right, you pulled your saber on Ben and he went a little cuckoo. Luke still is not ditching everybody with his books and hiding out. Like, it's just not in any character we've ever seen. And, you know, even before that, like, this book makes it real clear. There's a lot of people hanging around. And we're a good number of years before Ben turns. Like, were they all just hanging out? Is it a very long school that you're there forever? I would like to break this down for us. Return of the Jedi is for ABY, right? After the Battle of Yavin. The temple we see on the Mandalorian, or sorry, we see on the Book of Boba Fett that they're building the temple on Osis in 9 ABY. Yep. Shadow of the Sith, the book that we're going to talk about, takes place in 21 ABY. And, on, and in this book, to spoil it, there's a scene where Luke is on his temple and he has another Jedi named Enyo who is training younglings already so he has younglings and he has he has jedi that are capable enough to be training yeah. people or at least on a second class 
Right, right. At the minimum. And then it's not another seven years later till Kylo falls. So from between the temple is built to when Kylo falls, it's 19 years. There are no graduates. There's nobody out there in the galaxy that graduated and moved on. There, he killed everyone, including the masters that that have to have come out of that 19 years of training. Mm-hmm. I need to know. I need to understand Luke's temple more than any more than anything else. I need to understand the timeline of Luke's temple and where are the Jedi that he trained. Right. Well, and now that you know, they're going to introduce the path. Um, there's the boy at the end of Last Jedi. Like, yeah, the Force sensitives are out there. And he's clearly been training them. Like, yeah. Yeah, I we'll just, talk about it when we get to Shadow of the Sith, but he's got a whole temple going on. Yeah. <laughs> and and when uh, he feels comfortable of leaving. Like yeah. it's up and running enough yeah. that he's like, eh, I'll be back later. Leaving with Ben like, in charge, basically. Yeah. <laughs> is Quinlan there? It, who is there that is keeping an eye on this temple while he's gallivanting off? The only Padawans, I guess, that we've seen are the ones that are in that Rise of Kylo Ren comic. But they're not mentioned in Shadow of the Sith. They are not. Which I thought was a big miss. Uh, I would have liked to have heard their names mentioned, but yeah. we haven't talked, we're not talking about that yet, but I would have liked to have heard their names. But yeah, those are the only Padawans we saw, but, but if it's 19 years when he started training people there, even if he's taking them as younglings, they're in their 20s. Yeah. I mean... There's- Ben is what? That means Ben is nine, eight when he starts training there at the temple, which makes about makes sense. Which is about right. You know, maybe he's a little he's a little old by old Jedi standards, but you know, Luke's not kidnapping babies yet. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. But yeah, I agree. I agree on that one. I that's the one I wrote down actual dates for because I was like, this is exactly this is a problem I have. There are these giant gaps that it don't make any sense. It was on my list, but I didn't have dates and everything. Beth, what's your next one that you would like to know more about? Can we retcon Freefall? <laughs> Can we just take it out? Can we just pretend like that didn't happen and give Poe a good backstory that isn't a ripoff of somebody else's? Probably not. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know not, but that's what I would like to have happen. Yeah. No, I thought about, I thought about Poe. If, if, if we're having a wish list. I thought about too. I was like, I'd like to know more about Poe. And I'm like, oh no, I know everything about Poe. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what out. I thought. I was like, yeah. oh, I want to know more about Poe. Ah, oh, shit. I already know too much about Poe and barely enough about Spice. I feel like that's, that could have been a good story worth exploring. And it just isn't the way it was done. All right, there's two big ones left for me. Ryan, what do you got? So my next one is probably one of the more obvious ones, but you can't put it in there and not answer it. All right, Maz. Yeah, if you're yep, going to tell yep, me it's yep, a story for yep, another day, yep. and this freaking saber is like talking to Ray, then you have to show me at some point, where's the saber? I mean, I'd like to see more Maz in general. Like, I think Maz is an interesting character. Man, she got sidelined in the movies, man. She just got pushed to the side real fast. Yeah, but I mean, I that's one of those ones I just don't get. How does she have the lightsaber? Yep. How does she have the lightsaber? 
<laughs> lies in her basement. Tell us, please. Give us that story. I don't care if it's in a comic, in a in an adventure journal, in the latest issue of Star Wars Insider. I don't care where you publish it. Just tell me how that happened because you told me in 2015 you were going to tell me that story. Yep. You haven't I- yet. Well, my thing, is, my thing too is how long have you had it? Because you clearly are down with Han and Chewie. It's 30 years later. You didn't give it back at any point? Like, hey, Lou, maybe like two. Like, here you go. Here's your dad's thing. And where's his hand? Yeah. His hand's Mount Tantus. We know that. His hand's probably in Mount yeah. Tantus. It's probably what? Maybe that's what they're going to answer. That's what the crossover is going to be. Yeah. They're finally going to do that story of... What was it, the original script for the sequels where it starts with Luke's frozen hand yeah. and then they clone from there? One that I wanted to bring up, I'd like to know more about Snoke and how Snoke got his hooks into Ben. How did he meet Ben? How did he seduce Ben? Because that's not, that's not, it's not really in Rise of Kylo Ren. In Rise of Kylo Ren, the comic, he already knows him. He already uh, yeah. knows him. That they never, they've never explained. And there's that line in Force Awakens where Leia, Leia tells Han, "Is like it's not, you know, it's not our fault. It was Snoke. Snoke, Snoke got to him. Like they talked about him, like they knew who he was." Yeah. Well, and then there's the line too with the Emperor, where he's kind of like, "It's always been me." It kind of modulates his voice through yeah. Snoke and Vader and all that. Yeah, which is fine, but like, how did he get to Ben? Yeah. In the in the first place, how how was he grooming Ben in the first place? That one really kind of bothered me. Like, I I just don't see how he turned. I don't, I just, I want to know how he turned him. Yeah. The only other thing I have that hasn't already been covered would be more about what, what happens to Ray. We, we know what happens to her at the end of this book, but not how she ends up like she ends up because the way this book kind of leaves her is, I mean, we know where she gets to, but it almost seems like that they weren't expecting her to be taken care of for very long. So how does she learn to take care of herself? How, how does a small child grow up alone in a desert world? Because worlds can only be one thing. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get more childhood race stories. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think we will, but my only one is when they will never answer because no one probably cares, but me. Where's Nora? <laughs> Why isn't Nora in Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. What's she doing? Is she still alive? Come on. Well, I mean, we want to get into that. Like, is Ahsoka dead? I, I think that's going to, I think that's the show's going to have to answer that. Because of her voice appearing. Because I think everyone else who talks to Rey at the end of Rise of Skywalker is dead. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I kind of wonder if we won't get the sacrifice to stop Thrawn. But then where's Ezra? Where is everybody? That's the question. Shwek, where is Jason Sindula? Where is, is, where is Jason damn Sindula? Does, Did he die at the Luke's Jedi Academy too? You know what's going to be crap? He better not know. have. The Ahsoka show is going to come out and they're not even going to, he's not even going to be there, I bet. And it's just going to make no sense. Hera's going to be on the show. I have half faith. It, I just wanted to mention him. Just yeah. want to know, I just want to know that he's okay. Proof of life. They're probably going to make it worse and be like, oh, he's off with Luke learning some things. Like, <laughs> no. 
no. No. Bad Don't idea. Stay there. Bad idea. All right. I think I guess we can all agree there's some there's still some holes in the sequel like to be like, <laughs> some holes. Yeah. It's it's almost as if there were three movies that were made unplanned by two different men who were pissing at each other the entire time and made three films that don't fit together as a whole and uh people are going to have to scramble to try to putty in some of those holes. General Calrissian, we're looking for Exegol. Of course you are. Only two were made. Assist Wayfinder. Luke Skywalker came here to find one. <laughs> I know. I was with him. Luke and I were telling an old Jedi hunter, Hochia Bastoon. He was carrying a clue that could lead to a Wayfinder. We followed the ship halfway across the galaxy here. When we got to his ship, it was abandoned. No clue, no Wayfinder. Is Hochi's ship still here? It's out in the desert where he left it. We need to get to that ship. Search it again. I got a bad feeling about this. All right, well, let's get into it. So Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, in theory, is a great idea. Who were Ray's parents? Why did they ditch her? What did Luke and Lando get up to? Why is there a knife shaped like the wreckage of the Death Star? Does this book satisfyingly answer all these questions? Eh, kind of. First up, we meet with Ray's parents, Dathan and Miramir, Miramar, who, along with five-year-old Ray, are on the run. After being saved by some Republic X-Wings on a secret mission, Miramar reveals that they are on the run from a Sith, showing them her hex charm. In true Republic fashion, the response is, eh, whatever, and sends them on their way. Next, we catch up with Luke, running his Jedi Temple on Osis, with it started with a happy bend. Luke is having terrible dreams of Exegol and is guided by the Force to go on an archaeological expedition with Lord Senteca. Also on the hunt is Ochi of Bastoon, the worst Sith assassin slash bounty hunter that has probably ever been in Star Wars, <laughs> who's been living on a junk planet, plotting his return to Exegol so he can heal his weirdo eyes when he's approached by a woman in a mask and the Sith Eternal who have a vampire knife and promise to show him the way if he'll help them hunt down Rey. Lando is still looking for his daughter, and while at a casino, because this is Star Wars, overhears Ochi and his new gang talking about the Sith and the hunt, so off he goes to find Luke. Meanwhile, at the archaeological site, Luke finds a Sith holocron and a bunch of blood kyber crystals that proceed to possess a man, attacking others, and then having to be freed by Luke, who then gathers the crystals and decides to go to Tython to investigate. At the seeing zone, Luke finds himself in a vision of Exegol, attacked by the Sith ghost, who also somehow use lightsabers and disappear now. He is then saved by freaking Force Ghost Anakin Skywalker, who gives him some words of wisdom, and then flicks out in pain and vanishes into the dark. This is never addressed again. Let me say that again. Anakin Skywalker comes back as a force ghost, talks to Luke Skywalker, is clearly in pain and disappears in the force, and they don't talk about it again. 
Also on the hunt is a mysterious <laughs> woman who wears a possessed force mask that is definitely not the mask of Monet from the comics. Not no. that mask. Very similar. Very Do similar. not believe it. Who also has an antique saber and a tie defender. She's like the best of the extended universe. Lando and Luke meet up on Tython, exchange some info, and decide they need to go find the family in Exegol. All of them end up on Nightside, a mining facility where the family is shockingly sold out by the administrator. Luke does a little light, lightsaber battle. Ochi continues to be a terrible leader and assassin. Ray's family escapes on the administrator's ship with plots to meet up with Lando. The mask lady decides she needs more muscle, so she decides to put some kyber crystals she has into some droids to go make some murder. All the characters track and or escape one another to a desert planet for the book, where they chase each other on speeders. Ochi the incompetent bounty hunter once again loses more health, and once again the family escapes. This book definitely has a pattern. But... Luke luckily remembers he knows someone that can track people even in hyperspace using old satellites. That's like me saying I can watch some things from 1982 because I have an old DVR or a VCR, but amazing work. So off they go to Polar, the radioactive death planet, overseen by a former acolyte of the beyond who just happened to be saved by Luke. After some light radiation farming, Comet reveals that she knows who the other acolyte with the Sysabler mask are, another acolyte named Kaiza, who is thought to be dead. Turns out the mask is possessed by some Sith king named X and Pandshard, um, who ruled a planet like a thousand years ago. Polar is then attacked by the evil Sith droids, drawn to the lightsaber like a horcrux. And then they track the family to a fueling facility where once again, we all fight, we all track each other, and then we go our separate ways. Luke, meanwhile, tracks the droids to the planet in the Unknown Regions where he confronts Kiza, leaving in this old Separatist ship. They fight, he tries to give her to get, get her to give up the mask, but she can't, and dies a fiery death, along with all her Seth relics. Oops, just kidding. After Luke leaves, her mask wakes up her droids and she becomes a half-droid possessed Sith with a new shiny crystal covering. Luke gets back to the uh, gas station, helps Comet Lando fight Ochi, and then they split up with Lando and R2 tracking Ray and the family and Luke and Comet going after uh, the new Sith droid. Luke and Comet fight him and with the help of some weird snakes, are able to destroy the mask once and for all. Dathan and Miramir drop Ray off with the most responsible guardian, Under Plunkett. However, they are then caught up by Ochi and his new reinforcements. They capture the ship. Ochi kills the parents with the vampire blade. Ochi then finds Miramir's Ica beads, which makes him think that Ray is hidden on Piranha. He goes there, but doesn't make it far as his Peter sinks into the quicksand, where it will wait until the rise of Skywalker. Luke and Lando, in no hurry, return to Comet, to Polar, where Lando takes a little relaxation vacation for a few weeks. Then they finally decide they should probably go find Ray, where they go to Posada, where they track Ochi's ship, where they look... And this is literally what it says for an hour or so before they quit and go, I guess nothing else is here. Great job, guys. 
As the book ends, Lando restarts the Clarazine Chronicles. Maybe that is where they were finally explained where a vampire knife that's shaped like the Death Star came from. The <laughs> I liked it. I mean, it's fine. I think I was more excited chapters one through thirteen-ish, fifteen, yeah. fourteen. Yeah, like it. It becomes a little repetitive. It is very much we all track each other to the same planet. We all kind of help each other without really running into each other, and then we separate again. So tired of the tracking. In every Star Wars media right now, I'm so tired of the tracking. And this, it's all about tracking ships through hyperspace, finding ships in hyperspace. The Comat, Luke's friend, the hermit lady, you bring her like four pieces of information in an astromech droid, and she can tell you where a ship is in the entire galaxy. Um, ships leave systems on certain vectors and they go, hmm, well, according to that vector, they could only have gone to one of three places. And you're like, that's not true. There are millions of stars in every direction. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. You can calculate that. And then every ship has a tracking device on it. And then the next, sh- they steal a ship, it has a tracking device. They get rid of that. They steal the next ship. Guess what? It also has a tracking device. Everybody's getting tracked everywhere. And you know what it is? It's lazy. Yeah. It's lazy I- storytelling. It is. And, you know, the other option is what also happens in this book and in Star Wars, where it's Lando's just in a bar and happens to overhear Ochi and them. But I'll take that. I much more enjoy that smallness of the Star Wars galaxy versus. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, there's a tracker on it. I wrote it down. as I mean, listen, this is still better than the stupid tracker fobs from the Mandalorian that still don't make a damn bit of sense. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but but Star Wars has like a, a a problem, I think, with this whole idea of like how do you find people? Obi Wan had it too, you know. Yeah. Like you have people, you have a giant galaxy. Every planet is not a city; it's a fucking planet, and they have to find have to find a way to find each other. And so they use all these tracking devices and 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 tracking through hyperspace and 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 all these things. And it's just it's just, it it makes it so easy to get to your next plot point. You don't have yeah. to work. Hard, you know, you don't have to, the characters don't have to work hard. They just have to track them to get to the next location. And it makes it feel like a travel log. Like you said, it's repetitive. It's let's go here. We'll have an adventure here. And then we'll, we'll, they'll leave, you know, the, mm-hmm. our Ray, Ray's family will leave. And then uh, everybody else will figure out both Luke and the bad guys will figure out where they went and we'll follow them. And then we'll have an adventure there and then they'll get away and then they'll track mm-hmm. them. And it's the same damn thing over and over again in the middle. That's why the middle of the book really falls apart. Like you said, it gets repetitive. It's the same thing well, over and over again. It's such a long book for so much repetitive stuff to happen. Like you could have cut out 150, 200 pages of this book and still had the same book. Yeah. The desert, there's no reason for them to go to that desert planet. Nothing happens. Wait, which s- desert planet? There's like 12. The speeder bike desert planet. Okay. There's no reason for them to go there. Like it's another repetitive chase each other around. Ochi's incompetent. They get to, they get to show up Lando's new speeder bikes. Right. Sweet. Which is sweet. (laughs) Which was kind of, I liked his pride in them. I thought that was really fun. I I like a good speeder chase, you know, I'm down for a good speeder chase. They could have rode those around the fuel depot at the gas station. 
I, I will give the the author credit though, because he does he does write a good action scene. They're easy yeah. to picture. It's not a bad book at all. No. It's just too long and it spins its wheels too much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crippled by the fact that it's a prequel and that we know how it ends. I think my thing with it is like it's set up to answer some big questions and then it didn't. Not satisfyingly. Yeah. yeah if you're going to set up what that stupid knife is, then answer it because now Please. you've just added more. Now it's shaped like the Death Star and it drinks blood and makes you hate things. Like <laughs> how, what? how, how does an ancient Sith dagger have inscribed upon it the location of the Death Star of the second Death Star falling on what's that damn planet called? Kef Beer. Yeah. How does this ancient Sith artifact have that inscribed upon it? Uh, the Force, Chad. I know it doesn't make well, any sense. I know, Chad. Me and you talked about this. It is such an easy thing to fix. All you need is a line there that says, "Yep, you know the super awesome Sith blade. If you feed it enough blood." It'll change into what you want. And what Ochi right. wants is to go to Exegol. In the end, you could have him, like the very last thing, him holding a blade with a bunch of blood on it. He sees it change to where this Wayfinder is, and then he dies. Boom, and we're done. Like, it's not that hard. I just don't understand. Like, like the Philosopher's Stone. Just have it, just yeah. have it, grant your wishes, you know, <laughs> something. Yeah. I, I was very disappointed that we did not get a better explanation as to the knife. All we all we got was the fact that it's a vampiric knife like you would have in Dungeons and Dragons. And especially for how much they talk about it. Yeah, and no payoff whatsoever. Like yeah. no no real payoff. Other than the fact that it's used to kill Ray's parents, which we already knew. Yep. <laughs> we already knew that. Yep. Like, yeah, does that scene hit harder because now we've got to meet them? Sure. Sure. But the moment you, the book starts, you know they're dead. Yep. The moment the book starts, you know where this is headed. And, and, it, and it gives it this weird fatalistic feel to the entire book, even the adventure scenes, because you know Luke and Lando are going to fail at this. Uh-huh. And you, you know that from page one, that Luke and Lando are not going to accomplish their mission. As soon as we find out their decision is quite arbitrarily, by the way, their, their decision is but we're going to save this family. <laughs> They latch onto yeah. that real hard. I mean, I guess she's got the Sith charm, so they know they're involved somehow. Somehow. Um, well, and this goes back to what we were talking about before about Luke giving up, you know, after Ben. Like, this makes it make even less sense that he would give up. Like, he knows something's up with the Sith. Like, they're not gone. There are Sith ghosts with lightsabers. There's some Exegol is out there and something's happening. And then what he leaves and is like, well, I guess I'm sad now. I'm going to go be sad with the porgs. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I, I can I, be sad with so many porgs. I mean, he doesn't leave for another like nine years, but yeah. Well, but this, this book makes it even less believable because he is on a mission. And he knows there's a giant threat. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it actually made it worse because... I could not know what happened, but now I know what at least part of what happened. So what else happens? What makes him go to angry old asshole Jedi man? I mean, it's it. I mean, according to the movies, it's just him losing his temple and losing Ben, yeah. right? 
But a lot more stuff happens. A lot bigger stuff happens now. There's got to be other things going on other than that. Does he stop dreaming about Exegol? Because that's not real clear. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just after his dad disappears into the force, he's like, well, all right then. What the hell was that? Do you know what was great about that scene, though? What was amazing about it is that Hayden Christensen turned into Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, I did like that. Turned from his old, he turned from young Anakin into old Anakin while he was a force ghost. And I was like, bravo. That's, that's, that's a good <laughs> bit of, that's a good bit of meta right there. I like that. Uh huh. I, I would have preferred, I would trade that for having a decent explanation or, or have it ever brought up again, ever. Yeah. The Anakin is in some sort of agony on the other. Is it like, he, he, you know, cause to me at first I was reading it, like Anakin didn't really study how to do this. So maybe he's on the fritz because he doesn't really. Well, no, because remember they he make a big right in at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like I know, but maybe he's not very good at it. You know, yeah. maybe he's having a hard time keeping hold of it. Like Qui Gon studied and Obi Wan studies and Yoda studies, but maybe he, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm trying to make sense of Force Ghosts, and I fucking hate Force yeah. Ghosts. You know this, and I'm trying to make sense of them. I mean, I think this goes I th- partially. The book at least makes it seem like whatever is going on on Exegol with magic lightsaber ghosts, which why she didn't pull them out again. I'm not real sure. Like that would have made the end of rise of Skywalker real quick. He seems to be being destroyed because of the dark or whatever is what they say. Yeah. And it just goes back to like the whole balance of the force thing, which is a great concept to introduce that they've never handled appropriately or they've never really clarified what that means. No. Really exciting to see Luke talk to Anakin. Yeah. It's just yeah. odd. It happened so quick and then went away. But hey, what are you going to do? So there's a great chapter in this book, though, where we learn a lot about Dathan's, Dathan, Dathan, whatever, about his childhood on Exegol. And in it, we get Revan canonized again. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is mentioned? There's mentions of um, Darth Sanguis and Darth Noctis, who are both from George Mann's uh, Dark Legends book of short stories. Um, so they've officially been because these these books are kind of borderline canon. These legends uh-huh. books. We get to learn that Dathan grew up without a name. He was just called the Abomination, which I believe is, I guess they can use it. It's all Disney. And what was very interesting to me was that he was considered an abomination because he's a clone of Palpatine, but he wasn't force sensitive, which I thought was really kind of interesting that he's kind of just grown up there. And, and, you know, now I I did the math because it says in this that he's 33 years old. Uh So that means he was born about 12 BBY. Uh So Palpatine would have, Palpatine would have cloned him during the time of the empire. Because they say he's not modified in any way, shape, or form. He's just comes from a from a clone. He's just yeah. a clone. He's not even a clone. Actually, they say he's not a direct clone. He's like a, he's just a, he's a strand cast, right? He's a strand cast. Yeah, he's just a he's a what do you call it? He's a, just an engineered person. Yeah, which I think this is the first time strand cast is back in canon. But still, I thought that scene showing the the Sithy Sith Eternal, where the, all the well, where all those dudes came from. Don't ask me. I don't understand the Sith Eternal really. But we got to see him living amongst them. We got to see the cultists, like I said, and I, and I like the the now the scene where Ochi and Vader visit. Is that from the comics? That's the comic scene. 
Yeah. That's the scene from the comics, right? Where they visit, visit Exegol and he's witnessing that. Yeah. So that means he runs away when he's like 15 ish then. Yeah. That had to be about, well, about 14 or 15. Yeah. That dude yeah. did the math right. Yeah. 14. That's about right. He stows away in Vader's ship. Yeah. I wasn't real sure about that. <laughs> she I mean, remember. Ochi is the worst hunter in the world. Ochi, and this is even in the comics. I don't know if I like Ochi. Like, I know that I don't like Ochi, and I, I stopped, I, I started this book, I stopped it, read all the Vader comics, picked up the book again, and said, uh, okay, well, I've learned that Ochi's a dumbass. I don't think he's supposed to be awesome. <laughs> no. Well, here's what I want to that inevitably dies by stepping in quicksand. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, at the end of the day, he's this dumbass. <laughs> Who ends up dying by slipping in quicksand after all these things that he's done and all the the dealings he's had with Crimson Dawn and Darth Vader. And he's been to the ends of the galaxy at Exegol and he's done all these hunted Jedi and all these things. And how does he die? He falls into some quicksand. He was super high on antifreeze at the time. Yep. (laughs) He did juice and drink it. As much as they talk about him being the Jedi hunter and Sith assassin and all this stuff, this is the only time we've actually seen him kill the Jedis in this book. And it's like a quick little chapter, but he sure talks about it a lot, which I think it'd be funny if that's the only time it ever happened. I was going to say, he talks about, he talks about being a Jedi hunter and an assassin. He's the only one that does that. Everybody else has just taken his word for it. Yeah. Do you think Thrawn would approve of uh, that woman's use of uh, the TIE Defender? I don't think that's what they were designed for. I don't think so either. No. Good job bringing it back, though. Yeah, I was happy to see it. Now, she's from uh, Aftermath. Yes. Yeah. That's all Aftermath stuff. The Acolytes of the Beyond. They're yeah. the ones that come in at the end. Yeah. yeah, and she was the former leader of them, and she's mentioned in those books. Um, yeah, because uh, you... Yoop Tashu comes and does all the, gives them all the crap, all the Sith crap. Speaking of Sith crap, what a weird decision to have another mask that is not the mask from the comics. The, was it Monomer? Monomer? Momin. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the idea is that there, there are multiple like this. This is a Sith thing that they did, I guess. I don't know. But since we don't know, then why? Why do multiples if we don't it's, know? The one we know about is not destroyed yet because we just saw it in Crimson Rain. When they break into Vader's castle, it's in the castle. Yeah, one of the knights are in, like, kicks it. So it's still sitting there. I just think it's weird to have two masks like that. Like, even if they had just made another artifact. Especially because he was, like, a weird king. Make it a crown or something. Here you go. What is crown? No, that would be badass. Yeah, no, I, I don't think... Um... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, at, fr- at first, I, I didn't, I hadn't thought of the name, so I just thought it was the same mask. Yeah, I did too for a long time until Lando goes, "Oh, like the mask of whatever," and I was like, "I ran into a mask like that one time." Interesting use of the corporate sector. Yeah, that they're involved with the first order. Yeah, That's where they say pride is coming from is from the corporate sector. Right. Which, I mean, fits in with, you know, when we talk about bloodlines, it seems like there's kind of some starts and stops to the First Order. Like, trying to figure out, like, who 
makes it up and who helps it. Yeah. I mean, the book overall, it's got some big, I guess, revelations or plot points. I mean, finding out the temple's on Osis was a big thing. Um, I still don't like that they can go to Tython so easy. Yeah, they've just changed Tython. He does sit on the same rock that Grogu sat on. Yep, the seeing stone. The seeing stone. Is it a good plan to leave Ray with Unkar plot? Like, just for, forget the results. That's result based. Don't use results based thinking. Use critical thinking. Is it the right play to just abandon right. her and like say like, eh, we'll come, we'll go shake them because what's going to happen? They're going to sh- how are they going to lose them enough so that they'll come back? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've gotten out of everything else by uh, convenient plot points. So I guess they thought convenient plot points would continue to work for them. I mean, I guess he's probably one of the only people they know for some reason like in the yeah. galaxy. But like, why wouldn't they? Because they know at this point that the, I can't think of her name. The Republic officer did help them and tell them stuff. Like, yeah. go back to him and be like. All right, look, I just need you to take her, give her to Luke Skywalker. Well, they know that Lando and Luke are actively looking for them. Well, they know Lando is. They know Lando and a Jedi are. A Jedi, yeah. And, right, but, I, and they've never heard of Lando. No, I, I get that, but but still they know that a Jedi is looking for them. So why would you not just wait for this man who says he's got a Jedi with him when they trust him implicitly? Because every time, every time they try, the bad guys show up just in time and they have to run away again. That's they said. That's the plot of the entire book. Is every single time Luke and, and Lando get anywhere close to them, yeah, something goes haywire. They have to run away. Happens every it happens every seventy five pages. Yeah. So the book sets it up so that they can trust no one besides Unkar Plutt. I guess, yeah. I don't think they seem to really trust him. They just know if you pay him and promise him stuff, that he's, he'll be you know, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's all he cares about. So he's not going to go hunting to turn her over. And I mean, he, you know, he does say the line, if you leave her here long enough, I'm going to put her to work. Which would be a funny like ending to the book. Like if he just looks down at the five-year-olds, like, yeah, your parents aren't coming back. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and get on out there and buy me some starship parts. <laughs> buy me some parts. And maybe I'll feed you. Yeah. I'll go easy on you for the first three weeks, but after that, you're on your own. <laughs> I did enjoy the book. I agree with you. The first like 15 pages were 15 chapters were like super exciting. Yeah. Because they seem to promise things that they ended up not, not fulfilling. Uh-huh. And then the middle got this, like we're talking about this repetitious streak um, with, with some revelations. Like I said, I thought, you know, the stuff with the mask was, I was, I was down with, I thought the stuff with um, Dathan's childhood, most of the stuff with with them, I Mm -hmm. I really got into. Um, And, and, and it's a good um, Luke and Lando is a combo we've never really seen before. Mm -hmm. And something like this. And I thought it was kind of cool. Now this is sad Lando. Um, because of his daughter being missing. So we get this. Kinda, we didn't even talk about that where his feelings too is like, I know my friends didn't ditch me, but I'm like, Oh, poor Lando. Yeah. That Lando is just, Lando is very sad and, um, and, and rightfully so still looking for his daughter. I still think that should be the series, but I, they can't do that with Donald Glover. So 
that's another that's another sequel thing I'd like to see. I want to see Lando find his daughter. But but so so I think that's a, a neat combination of two characters uh, to put together. Um, but oh, then now it, I want to see them drink Colt forty five together. Then it take but and then for the last act, I think the last act of the book is pretty good. But we know we know it. It's just kind of ta- if you've seen Rise of Skywalker, you know how this is going to work out, you know, and and it and, and it and it just doesn't have the oomph to it. Like I said you it may be a little bit more because you've gotten to know the characters some. You've gotten to know her parents, so yeah, yeah, their deaths were definitely more traumatic than they were in the movie, just because I had gotten to know them. But besides that, like the events are just exactly play out like you think they're going to play out and there's no twist to it, you know, all the way up to Ochi in the quicksand, you know, there's no real twist to anything. It just kind of ends. I thought it was interesting that Lando apparently spends nine years living on Pasana. Yeah. Was that just supposed to be like his home base? That's kind of how That's I took it. That's what he said. Yeah. He's going to make that yeah. his base. Which I don't know why he wouldn't have made it Polar with his new buddy, Komat. Well, he said in this sec, he hadn't se- se- he hadn't searched this sector for his daughter yet. It's so funny that when they talk like that, because I'm always like, do you know how many stars? Yeah, hey, like what is he doing? Like landing on a planet and just like walking around. <laughs> He's just quad knocks. Like, nope, she's not here. Next planet. I will say one thing we didn't talk about, one that I enjoyed. I liked seeing little Dio's backstory about why he's the PTSD droid. I wrote that that's my first note. My first note is Dio's PTSD. I like him so much more now. Yeah. Ochi is such a prick. <laughs> I know. Ochi's a goddamn monster. Ochi just kicks him around and yells at him and stuff. And he still is. Oh, uh, yeah. No, they, I thought that was. They definitely. Way that maybe even a little too far in the cruelty to make <laughs> yeah. it too far. I, I liked uh, the description of the way to get to Exegol as the red honeycomb zone or red space. They're calling it instead of wild space. Like that, that area on the way to Exegol is called red space. Which I thought was yeah, I still don't understand that either. Like I thought you had to have a little Sith holocron because red Wayfinder. space, wayfinder, whatever. Like, which there's, I like, they went a whole thing and the differences between the two, including the shapes, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But I thought the whole point was like red space changes and like there's stuff shifting around out there. And that's why you have to have one of these things is to get through it, which means how can Ray just be like, follow me guys. (laughs) Well, Ray has one. Well, no, 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 but she, like, just drops off little points. Like, she shows them the yeah. way she went, but shouldn't have, like, shifted around and changed after that. Forget that. How did all How did all the people that Lando and Chewie brought with him get there? It's tracking. <laughs> it's they, they tracked him. They tracked him. Uh, yeah, I was going to – Wayfinders was the other thing I was going to ask about. So there's only ever two Wayfinders. In the same way, there's only ever two Sith. Let's not count all the cultists and stuff. We'll go back to the two Sith. Why doesn't Ochi's first thought is, let me check Vader's castle? Right. Why isn't that Ochi's first thought? Uh, I think we've established that Ochi sucks. Because at this point, it's it's ruins. And he's been to Vader's castle before. I would think like, well, let's see. Who might have these two very powerful Sith artifacts? Maybe the two very powerful Sith. Mm -hmm. Let's check out their, their, their cribs. 
and see if they kept it there. Because guess what? That's where it was. Yep. It was just at Castle Vader. It was a pretty, fairly obvious place to check. Yeah, it's going to be three places. The Death Star, Vader's Castle, or the Tombs Under the Jedi Temple. One of three. Yeah, That's where it so, is. So, somewhere, somewhere in the Imperial Palace slash Jedi Temple. It, 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 I just, I don't know. I just found that, I found that funny. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I just I, I wish it had gone a little further in some of its um then the the biggest thing I'm left disappointed with is the knife. I just vampire knife. So I don't <laughs> that, that part's fine. I don't mind yeah, the fact it's a vampire that. knife. That's fine. I've I've read enough Forgotten Realms novels that that doesn't bother me one bit. But so the vampire knife is fine. Or Elric of Melibone, uh, those old those old fantasy novels, right? Michael Moorcock, he had a sword that drank souls or whatever. So, like that, I'm down for. But tell me how it points to the Death Star. Tell me how it points to the Death Star. This ancient relic. Tell me how it points to the Death Star. Why does it point? Why do we get the one-eyed Willie Goonies uh-huh. moment in that movie? And if it's an Figure ancient sit thing, why does it point to a wayfinder that goes to Exegol like a thousand years ago? I just, yeah, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And and here here's 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 what I'll say in defense of Adam Christopher. Maybe he couldn't figure it out and just said, "Screw it, I'm not going to try." It doesn't. It just there's no way to make it make sense. Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I don't blame him. I, I wonder if he just kind of bailed out on that. You know, he was like, he's like, I'm going to explain it all. And he's, he finally gets down to the dagger and he's like, all right. Um, nope. I'm out. Cause yep, the more you think about up. it, like, if a piece of the death star breaks off, does it just not work anymore? And why does it have a weird part of the guard that comes out with a red pointer on it? that shows exactly where it is. <laughs> I mean, the blade is cut to, the, and you have to stand in one particular spot. That's the best—a spot that's not even marked. It's just a random part on the a, hill. A spot that doesn't really exist because they're they're out there. It it wouldn't exist if the Death Star hadn't landed. What if the Death Star chunk had landed somewhere else? And again, it all has to go back to force and prophecy and all that stuff, and that stuff's boring. <laughs> That stuff's lazy. So, so if the if the chunk of the Death Star had vaporized on impact, uh, they wouldn't have found Exegol. <laughs> the prophecy wouldn't have come true. There is so much about that movie that I like, but at the end of the day, it just feels like what it is, which is something cobbled together at the last second to try to hit certain buttons, and that's what it is. It was just, I I still think the biggest now. Do you know what's funny to think about in an alternative? I would say they should have pushed that movie a year after Carrie died, right? They should have pushed the movie a year, got their shit together and figured out what's going on. Here's the problem though. If they had pushed it a year, it would have been out during the pandemic. I always forget how recent that movie is. That movie came out at the end of 2019. That's crazy. So if they they had pushed it to Christmas 2020, it wouldn't have been able to hit theaters. Beth, let's continue on the timeline gap filling. What are we doing next time? 
Next time, we're doing that book that we keep thinking we've covered and yet have not. Bloodline by Claudia Gray. And I think after this, we will have covered all of the current Claudia Gray books. Yes. Yeah. No, I think I think we've finally done it. I think we finally covered all the Claudia Gray after this. So we look forward to that very soon. Thank you guys. And thank you all for joining us. Roger, roger.